Hello there, I'm Simon Elbow, and this is Simon Elbow's Knowledge Compass Corner, with me, Simon Elbow. We'll be shining some battery-powered torches, or even the other kind with real flames, into the murky caves of ignorance, and then coming out again with a bit of illumination. Actually, I've been thinking recently whether a more straightforward prologue is perhaps better suited to this kind of show. I mean, that was quite a confused metaphor earlier, don't you think? You might recall, if you were paying attention, um, the coming out of the cave with illumination, yet first going in with torches, which are already illuminated. So you might think, why not just stay outside of the caves with your existing natural or man-made radiance, most likely now augmented by or probably dwarfed by the brilliance of our life-giving star the sun, but only if this metaphor is placed within daylight hours, of course, and why not save the metaphorical bother of going in, the risk of disturbing the metaphorical cave-dwellers, bears and bats or hermits or crabs if it's a cave by the sea. Why not just begin this kind of show with something like Hello, here's a show about knowledge. I don't know, I mean, uh, who can tell, who can really tell which is the most enticing style of commencement? Maybe next time I'll endeavour to keep it brisk and then I'll listen back to a more complex start, you know, this one, for example, and I'll, uh, I'll compare the two, and then I'll present my findings to you. Which, funnily enough, provides quite a firm link to our topic this time. More of that later, but before... I have got my drink and snack lined up, for the midpoint pivot of the show, the hinge upon which the narrative swings. Well oiled, I hope, no squeaky analysis or rusty old rationales. So, just a, a bit of alliteration there for you, uh, linguistic groupies. It was rusty and then uh, rationales with the word old in the middle, which spoiled it a little bit, but. You know, those two words beginning with the same sound, the less. That's where your, your impact is. That's where your imagery and your effect is found. Anyhow, just what drink and snack have I got to hand this time? Let's have a little look, shall we? Oh, yes. Just as I thought. It's a glass of plain tap water and an oat cake. Just what the doctor ordered. To clarify, I'm not a doctor at all, at least uh, not last time I looked. <laughs> yeah, never quite sure why that particular idiom is actually funny. Um, maybe it says the, uh, the listener is imagining the speaker looking at something funny on themselves when cued by the prompt, last time I looked. Maybe they're looking at, uh, I don't know, a, 
a funny body part, or an untucked shirt, or even a bit of food mess splashed there in the mechanism of the belt fastening. Anyhow, I'm not a doctor, yet I invoked the phrase, just what the doctor ordered, in this case, to signify the healthy outlier nature of water and oat cake, when compared with, say, uh, every other drink and snack of which I've partaken recently. You might remember a few from the other episodes. There was a, a Tamalabo and a Brazil nut at some point, I seem to remember. Anyway, <laughs> yes, um, water, yes, water and an oat cake, yes, a right stoic treat for later, as the, uh, the stow people no doubt enjoyed in times gone by like they probably did, uh, I will indeed defer my gratification, yes. I bet they did, didn't they, the stoves, wherever they were from, or whatever they did, or when, yes. Anyways, enough of all that. This time, what are we looking at? Well, there was a hint earlier, when I was performing an experiment, all about different ways of starting a show of this nature. Can you guess? There was a clue there with the word experiment. That's it, yes. This time, science. We are looking at science. Well, what a vast and expansive topic is science. So I thought we might take a bit of a bird's eye view to begin. Survey the land, you might say. And then swoop down into a particular field and dig about a bit to see what science might be there. So, for this bird's eye view, looking down on all of science, we might be using um, a drone. Not one of them with um, autonomous weaponry, no. Just your, your commoner garden drone. The one that, you know, disrupts commercial air traffic or gets in the local paper for buzzing about over houses of wealthy yet nude retirees. And you're seeing what this drone's broadcasting from its uh, Wi-Fi GoPro dangling there underneath. You're monitoring it, aren't you, on your electronic tablet? Or you might be a bit more conventional and uh, be on the back of an actual very large bird. And it's got eyes for the bird's eye view and all, indeed. There it is with you, clinging on. And it's circling about the sky, hoping to spot, and then I would imagine eat, a smaller, more vulnerable bird. Yeah, that's, that's one kind of bird's eye view, isn't it? Not sure what image came to mind for you there. But for me, I was on the back of that bird off of the Sinbad story. The rock, I believe it was called, spelled R-O-C. And not continuing to a fourth letter K, as would the widespread music genre. No, just a plain rock there that I was uh, flying on and looking down on all of science. Anyhow, looking down from whatever viewing mode you've selected, there is all of science. There it is, right down there. A bit like uh, 
all fields up against each other when you're looking down from an aeroplane. Yes, that, that would be another way of doing it too, if you could uh, time the flights right and there, there wasn't any cloud. Anyway, there's science and it's made up of lots of different ones of all shapes and sizes all butted up to each other. So let's have a peer down, shall we, and uh, a little read, yes. Well, first of all, I can see physics up there on the left, and right next to it is its cousin, botany, and then its close relative, sociology. Yes, they are the, the main uh, three sciences there that uh, students study in school, I think, these days. And then we've got uh, astrology, yes, I think that's uh, probably an A-level at the moment. Uh, all doing with the future, astrology, that's it, and computerology, yes, which you, you have to do that in uh, in infant school nowadays, don't you? What else have we got uh, as we look down here? Uh, oh, there's something up in the top right, alchemy. Yes, not heard about that recently, alchemy. It uh, doesn't get much of a press these days. Uh, and down there, oh, there's a biggie, maths. Or has not enough room for the word maths, I just uh, imagined the yes, it's actually math, isn't it? Uh, I think that's the proper phrase for it, just the singular, math. Uh, and uh, underneath that, by some weird connection, there's oceanography, ology, science, yes. Then we've got uh, aquamarine studies, and uh, general studies, and pseudoscience, and... Oh, school science, and uh, what's those little ones up there in the middle? Oh, uh, Bunsen burner. That's the science, is it? And the pH paper test thing. That must be a science as well. And chromatography, so I remember that clearly from my own school days as being a science. And uh, oh, there's some very big ones here. Just as we fly over, there's neuroscience, yes, and gender studies. Any more arts-based sciences, such as those ones over there. Oh, yeah, sculpture, yeah, that's a science. Acrylics, yeah, and uh, surrealist video montage. Yes, well, that's a, a good collection, isn't it? A very feisty and diverse bunch of smaller sciences, all collecting together to make science itself. You know, I'm not sure if you were keeping count just then, but... Uh, don't you worry, I was. And I listed 20 popular sciences. And from this collection, I am going to select our focus for deeper analysis after the break. But which one will it be? Well, to keep things fair, unbiased and scientific, I thought I'd invoke a spirit of randomness with the use of a dice. See here, what I've done on this bit of paper is I've numbered the candidates from 1 to 20. Inclusive, it's a bit of a list or a, a key. You look at the number and read across and there's the science. And I have also procured from a friend of mine, Jocelyn no less, a 20-sided dice. Hmm. Yes, in case you're wondering, uh, Jocelyn does partake of the fantasy roleplay board game now and again. 
and when I went round she had easily to hand dice with any number of sides. So, my request to her for the uh, isosagonal aleatoric device, that's, uh, that's posh, that is, for 20-sided dice, uh, was easily fulfilled. Yes, it was. Um, however, it is Jocelyn, and uh, I've already been invoiced for the service at the acceptable rate, I feel, of uh, 50 pence per hour, plus all applicable taxes. Thank you very much, Jocelyn. Well now, let's take our well-earned break, and then afterwards I'll roll the dice to see which of our twenty will go forward into part two. Well, if you remember from earlier, it was uh, quite a basic set of foodstuffs this time. Water and an oat cake, so uh, let's begin. Well, that's uh, as expected. Moving on. Mm, that's quite dry. That's going to need uh, quite a bit of masticating, that is. Oh, I've got some water here to help out. Yes, there's only so much saliva you can produce per oat cake, isn't there? Mm. Well, that certainly helped. Um, yes, basic is definitely the word for those snacks, but uh, I do have a confession to make, and uh, we have, over the shows, built up some degree of trust, I believe, and I feel it my duty to be honest with you here and say it's not water. I have uh, actually put uh, a good 250 millilitres of a buttery chardonnay in that glass you weren't to know but I did and I felt I had to disclose that fact buttery chardonnay it was indeed from the second shelf up from the bottom in the supermarket not the very bottom hence dictating its price point of £6.99 rather than the £4.75 from the shelf lower to be honest, I never can tell the difference, but uh, I feel there's a weight off my shoulders now having shared that with you. I do hope uh, the relationship we built over the show is uh, strong enough for you to forgive me. Ah, there we go. If only the stars knew. Right, back to the programmers. Uh, I believe some people say about some things at some point. So I was going to roll this 20-sided dice off Jocelyn and uh, see what number I got. So here we go. There we go. It's quite a loud dice, isn't it? 17. The number 17. Let's uh, just look at the reference charts going down and see here. Uh, Oh, the number 17 corresponds directly to pseudoscience. That's very popular these days, is pseudoscience. So, let's explore. Well, you know, uh, pseudoscience, it's not really science, is it? Or not quite science. Um, you can always spot a pseudoscience, actually. All you've got to do 
is wave one of them under the bespectacled nose of a proper normal scientist. And if it's pseudoscience, they go all red and furious and they stamp about a lot. It's a bit like what the church did when the very famous scientist Galileo ventured his innovative Earth around the sun, not the other way round concept. His very own pseudoscience of the day. They stamped about a bit then, didn't they? They were not happy at all, venturing to propose that the sun indeed went around the earth. They were proper angry, and they threw their toys right out of the pram. I could at this point further explore the idiomatic pram-based metaphor, adapting it somewhat to a 17th century scenario describing the suppression of a forward-thinking investigative hypothesis, couldn't I? But it'd be a bit risky, wouldn't it? Uh, what with having mentioned the church earlier. Yeah, might be a bit uh, touchy for some folks, so let's press on. Well, if pseudoscience gets typical scientists all wound up, Let's look at proper science, then, if we know what that is, what it's not, is pseudo. And that's called um, logic, I believe, which is probably a science as well. You see, proper science is when the scientist, who uh, can be a churchgoer if they like, they can be any religion they want, they can be Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Sikh, Zoroastrian, they can be Jedi, Mandalorian, they can be agnostic, atheist, they can be, uh... oh I've gone on to religion haven't I, oh goodness what's happened there, oh I do apologise if, uh, if I've missed out your religion, I do value it equally, with all the other ones I mentioned just then, yes I do. Anyway, when this scientist does an experiment in their lab or laboratory to give it its full name and they goes, uh, ooh, look at this finding here, what I've just found in my laboratory. That's what they do and then uh, they write it all down on a paper and they try and get it published so as everyone else knows how clever they've been and what they've found. But all the other scientists are waiting outside, ready to catch them out and try to stop that paper in its tracks. Funny bunch scientists, aren't they? They, they don't seem to want each other to win. Hopefully the scientist has a friend who can uh, smooth everything out a bit, uh, but not cheat about it, definitely not, and then get the finding out there anyway. Then... Once the cat's out of the bag, the other scientists change their tune a bit. They have a go as well, and they try to find the same finding that the first scientist found. But they do it in their laboratory this time, not the other one. They do it just to check if the first scientist got it right and didn't say, uh, miss out a decimal point or uh, put in some benzene when they should have added a bit of uh, helium. Some of them are only out to check if the scientist was fibbing, 
But the rest, well, they want a piece of the action, don't they? Especially if the discovery has commercial potential, say, like a, a longevity drug or a, a new kind of smart material for the trousers that industrial robots have to wear these days. Well now, if the other scientists find the same finding as the first scientist that found it, and if they get a promise of a bit of the corporate action too, if that's the case, then everyone loves the first scientist and they say, well done mate, you did some proper science, you did, because when we tried it, it came out the same, so it must be proper. And then, the original scientist gets to go on the television and features in a Sunday supplement where the photographer has used shadow and a, a special filter to make the scientist look all moody and cool and, uh, and not at all like the flawed, obsessive individual that they really are. Bullied from an early age by an over-aspirational father keen for his slightly above-average offspring to fill his own squandered and blighted dreams of scholarship. The scientist is also entered automatically into the Nobel Prize draw for that year. Well, that's normal science. And pseudoscience is not that. Or not quite that. So there you have it. Science. It's quite easy really, isn't it? And uh, I think what I better do is uh, do a complimentary episode next time on uh, on religion, as we did begin to touch on it. And I know the uh, science and religion are not happy bedmates, are they? They do have a little tussle now and again, but I do believe... There's an underlying foundation of similarity between the two, so let's have a little look at that, but later. Anyway, I'm Simon Elbow, and that was Simon Elbow's Knowledge Compass Corner, with me, Simon Elbow. And if you've got anything to add, or anything to take away, or anything to criticise, or, you know, a bit of praise would be nice now and again, then... Please do get in touch. Somehow. <laughs>